Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit dedicated to the idea that every part of the Bible, Old Testament and New, is about Jesus. And this podcast is our experiment to publicly test that belief. Every episode, hosts David Bowden and Seth Stewart work through a biblical text to see how it helps us see and savor Jesus. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Thank you for joining us, Seth. Welcome. How you doing this morning? I'm feeling great. Yeah, this is in the office. You are you are officially 100 percent moved to Oklahoma City again, and, again, <laughs> again, <laughs> and you are you are in the Spoken Gospel offices yes. because you have tested negative for coronavirus. Okay. Yes, there, I I foolishly went to Florida. You did, and I had a scare, and I'm fine. Yes. So thank God for that. Thank the Lord. Yes. Yep. Um, I had to wear a mask for a long time. I couldn't yep. be in the office when I thought I would, but yep. here I am. You're here now. Never again do I have to record a podcast remotely. Oh, hallelujah. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm very excited. It was so, not my favorite. No, it was hard. Yeah. It was hard, especially because we spent the first year of the Spoken Gospel podcast doing it face-to-face. Yeah. And then when you moved, it was really hard to adapt to doing it. Yeah, distant. like, and then the whole world went on Zoom, and, and then, then yeah, and, and then you just didn't want to be on on <laughs> Zoom. Yeah, I never at all. wanted to do that again. Yeah, so it's good to have you here. I'm excited permanently, permanent, permanently, indefinitely, <laughs> definitely, just as 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 indefinite as the <laughs> imprisoned here, <laughs> as, as the length of coronavirus. You were here. Uh, I'm excited for people to listen to this ten years from now and be like, well, I remember uh, that. I remember the 2020 Spanish was flu. crazy. <laughs> Anyway, uh, last week we did an introduction to the book of Ruth, mm-hmm. and so now we're going to spend a little bit more time talking about it. I think you and I were both, after thinking through uh, everything we talked about in Ruth, we were like, man, we covered a lot we covered for a an 84-verse book. Or, yeah. Is that right? How many? 85 verses. 85-verse book. <clears throat> 85 verses, yeah. Uh, but... I love studying shorter books because yeah. it allows me to think about them better. Like, I can't get... It's hard for me to get my head around Genesis. Yes. Or... Joshua. Right. But it's like, oh, four chapters, 85 verses. I can understand this really well. (laughs) I can just understand it a lot more deeply. So I think, yes. Yes. And so I think what we're going to do today is look at the first two chapters of Ruth, the Mm -hmm. first half of the book of Ruth, and um, try to pull out some things that we missed in the introduction um, and try to dig a little bit deeper. And really both of us, I think, came in this morning just being like, we just want to see and savor Jesus and the gospel yes. today. And so um, we're going to try to do that with you guys. Can I ask you a question that you're yeah. not prepared for? Oh, always. Why is it the book of Ruth and not the book of Boaz? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, number one, I think narratively, Ruth shows up first before Boaz. Yeah, like in the in the, in the the text, yeah. like in the book of Ruth. Um, she's one of the first characters mentioned. I think Ruth is clearly the instigator Mm-hmm. Of the yeah. um, the fate the the kindness shown towards Naomi and the line of Elimelech, mm-hmm. um, even though the one who brings the kindness is Boaz, right? Right. It's funny how like I mean it would be like it would be like me saying like why is the book of Daniel called Daniel and not Yahweh? Yeah, I guess that's right. <laughs> well, it's funny because I always like I guess in Christian subculture like there's so much like capital placed on Boaz and even like kind of like funny Christian culture like we're like. I'm just waiting for my Boaz. Oh, like, girls yeah. say, but my actually guys should be saying, I'm just waiting for, for my, my Ruth. Ruth. <laughs> my, my Proverbs 31 <laughs> my, woman. My Proverbs 31 woman. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I was just like, there yeah. seems to be a lot more emphasis placed on Boaz's role, but I think that's just misplaced. Like mm-hmm. there's like, I think Ruth, the women oh, in the story goodness. are the primary actors. Yes. And especially in the time where there is no Kings and the men are failing to do, to lead the people of Israel. We have, faithful women doing yeah. what they've always they've always been doing right <laughs> like the wise women leading the nation yeah. of israel and so we'll see a big moment of ruth's faithfulness we'll see two mm. big moments of ruth's faithfulness in the in these two chapters one in the first chapter one in the second we'll get there <laughs> but we wanted to look at the opening of the book and um, kind of lean in a little bit more into 
how this narrative is framed from the beginning yeah. to be riddled with sin and covenant breaking. Mm-hmm. And so the first one, yeah, in the days one. when the judges ruled. So this is back judges, terrible time. There was a famine in the land and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. Right. So you have a, you have a statement of irony right at the beginning. So uh, you have Bethlehem is this place where Elimelech and his family live. Bethlehem in Hebrew means house of bread. Yes. And so there is no bread in the house of bread. Yes. <laughs> There's a famine in the house of bread. Is the and so you're supposed to see this irony here, and you're supposed to be setting. Uh, you're supposed to have this category set up in your mind for that which should be full is empty. Yes. Which Naomi will pick up on. And she'll like she'll embody that herself. That's right. Because, and she'll she'll even say it. She's like, I went away full and yep. came back empty. Yes. Um yeah. But yeah. And so um I, I think it sets that up. The, the other thing, the the I, the fact that there's a famine um mm-hmm. is a big deal. God often used famine throughout the Old Testament as a punishment for yep. pe- for his people. And um clearly if this is during the time of d- the judges and over and over again throughout the history of the judges, mm-hmm. people did what was right in their own eyes, yeah. and then God had to punish them. This famine is very likely um, a divine punishment toward the mm-hmm. sin of Israel. And what the way Elimelech leads his family in response to this is patently wrong. Yes. Instead of staying in Israel and praying, repenting, trusting God to bring back the bread to the house mm-hmm. of bread, yes. he just leaves the promised land. And he settles in Moab, right? Which is where he's not supposed to. Exactly. Yeah. Like God brought them out of Moab. Like, yeah. why would you go back? And so, not only does he abandon the promised land instead of repenting and waiting for God to provide, you know, he, it's, which which is like the Sabbath command. Yeah. He's going to Moab, and then in, in, instead of marrying his sons off to mm-hmm. other people in the tribe of the path, yeah. How do you say it? The 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 Ephrathites. Ephrathites. The Ephrathites. Yeah. They were the Ephrathites. They were supposed yeah. to marry inside that clan. He instead marries his sons off to Moabites. Which is also against Which is also wrong. Yeah. You're supposed to marry within your own tribe. <laughs> so he's breaking covenant upon covenant. Yep. Uh but but the means of his covenant breaking is this Moabite woman Ruth. Yes. And just to put a pin in the idea of the famine as judgment. Famine is also doesn't have to be a judgment of God. It does not, no. And in fact, many of the stories of Israel's founding are centered around famine. Yes. So think about Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat and uh, his father and all that that whole story. The very thing that drove them to Egypt was a a famine. Was a famine. And it's a foreign country Mm -hmm. where they have to go to receive food and they come back to their homeland. Well, actually, in that situation... They're exiled. They're exiled from their homeland. And try to get back to their homeland. So really, yeah. even here in Ruth, you have a retelling of that of the, ex- of of, the of Exodus. The, or no, the, the Joseph story. The Joseph story, the Exodus, and the book of Joshua coming back into the promised land. It's the whole story of Israel bound up in oh. like one verse, okay, two I, verses. I'm, I'm, I'm tracking that, yeah, yeah. but you might want to unpack that. Okay, what I mean is, so Egypt... or. Uh, there was a famine in Bethlehem. There was a famine in... In the promised land, in the promise. where Jacob and his family were, including right. the 12 tribes of Israel, Joseph included. Yes. And in order to escape the famine, they had to go to a foreign country, Egypt, uh-huh. to get food and bring it back. So that, that that's mapping onto this part of Ruth where there's yes. a famine in Israel, mm-hmm. and so uh, Elimelech leaves the promised land to go find bread in a foreign country. Yes. Okay, I'm tracking. Now, the entire family of Joseph, because the famine continued, ended up moving to Egypt, a foreign land, and then becoming enslaved. A bunch of bad things happened to a them. A bunch there, of bad things happened to them. Which is what happens to Elimelech and his family. Yes. Uh, everyone dies and mm-hmm. their wives are childless. Yes. Okay. And then they move out of Egypt into the promised land by God's miraculous provision. Mm. Um, and so we really have a retelling of the story of Israel. Which is then, I guess, the rest of the book of Ruth. Yes. Their re-entry into the promised land and God's provision through things like Boaz and Ruth's faithfulness. That's exactly right. Wow. So it's like a... It's Ruth a, is an 85-verse version of the first six <laughs> books of the Bible? Yes. Is that what you're telling That's me? That's what I'm telling you. <laughs> so do I just skip those first... No, no I, I don't. Mean, okay. Yeah, I mean... Well, it does make sense then. Like, so, so you have, like... 
Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Judges. and then Ruth. Retells it. Retells the whole story. Interesting. So, yeah. Wow. There you go. That's cool. Yeah, I, like I love that. that. I love that. And so what, what I wanted to look at here then was we're talking about the fact that um, Elimelech and his family have severely broken the covenant of God. We are supposed to see them as consummate covenant breakers mm-hmm. during a period of consummate covenant breaking, yeah. right? They are the worst of the worst. Yeah. And you see that in the consequences in Elimelech's family. Exactly right. So all both sons die. Both, da- all three daughters, the wife, the mother and both daughters are widowed. Yep. There is no relatives to redeem them. Mm-hmm. They're in a foreign land in the middle of a famine. Right. Like. Yes. And so I think we need to see here is one thing we need, we need to see here is the judgment of God against covenant breaking, mm-hmm. which we just know from reading the first six books of the Bible is true. Like, like God made a covenant with his people and he said, if you obey it, you'll be blessed. If you disobey it, you'll be cursed. And they are experiencing the curses of covenant breaking in the, in the, the land of Moab. Yeah. Um, but then I think the, the amazing beauty of this book um, is the multifaceted ways that God superintends all the circumstances of Ruth's goings on, okay. you know, in Bethlehem yeah. in order to save, provide for, redeem, and reestablish a family that had yeah. broken his covenant, right? Yes, that's, that's where the story is going. So in the first five verses, you just get curse. Yes. This is a picture of the curse. And then you see... Breaking in in verse six, the path forward, mm-hmm. and it's not, and it doesn't come from um, who you expect. Oh, right. It comes from Ruth, a yep. Moabite, somebody mm-hmm. from the land that should have been cursed as well. Yeah. If anything, you would expect if this was going to be a retelling of the first part of the Bible, yeah, the- you'd be expecting like a Moses figure, yes, right, who was an Israelite who rose to power. And was coming in to you save the people. You would expect Elimelech's brother to come in and rescue Naomi, marry her. Uh, like the kinsman redeemer laws. Yes. Like his brother would come in or there would be another son. The, not in all the patriarchal narratives mm-hmm. and the stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Oh, right. There's always another son. There's yes. always another family member. But here, there's nothing. Mm-hmm. There's no one to pick up where the the other narratives in scripture have picked up from mm. so here who can do it if the father's dead <laughs> if the brothers are dead if israel is in shambles yeah. if israel is faithless where will god find faithful people where will where will rescue come from right moab yeah moab and another like another question i'm asking as you're doing all that is like who cares it's not all of israel that's out here stranded in moab it's three people yeah and it's like yeah. It, it, for all intents and purposes, if you're reading this book without any ulterior motives, it's like the, hit, the 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 future of Israel isn't hanging in the balance here. We'll learn that it actually is. Yeah. But it's like God is going to show extreme covenant love mm-hmm. to just three people, two people, one yeah. woman. You know, like it's right, which just, is part of the reason why Ruth is such an amazing story. It, it it's is. Like, it's just a really personal, yeah. really sweet. Yeah. Kind of an amazing story. It's <laughs> just a great that. story. Um, and so I guess from there, how you you hinted at it already. Yes. God's going to make himself, make Israel a nation again. Mm-hmm. Like, And he's going to do that through a foreigner, yes. through a Moabite. Right. And so what happens is Naomi basically says, I'm going to go back home. But apparently Bethlehem no longer is in famine. There's actually bread in the house of bread again. <laughs> yes. And she decides to go back home. And apparently she owns land there. Now, her two daughters-in-law have a choice. Mm-hmm. They could stay in Moab, where they probably have some sort of family, right? Um, or they could go with her. Well, actually, she doesn't even give them that option. What do you mean? Uh, Naomi doesn't give them that option. She says, go back to your own. Yeah. So the option is, there isn't one. It's go back to Moab. Mm-hmm. It's it's Ruth's, uh, and we'll see her do this again and again through yeah. the book, it's Ruth's wisdom yeah to see an opportunity to obey and follow Yahweh when there seems to be none. Yeah, in verse 8, but Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go return each of you to her mother's house. Right. Pause right there. It's not father's house. Oh, right. It's, it's still a matriarchal narrative it's here. It's matriarchal narrative. Yeah. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. 
Mm. Um, so she's saying, go back home. Go back home. You've honored you. Can't you see you're not welcome anymore? <laughs> it's like a, what is that? Oh, it's like a white fang. Like Who's white fang. And then uh, Harry and the Hendersons did it too. I have never heard of white oh, fang. Or <laughs> it's like a classic, like classic, like where it's like you try to get rid of this animal that loves you because it'd be better for them to be back in the wild. Is white fang a dog? Yeah. Oh. And it's like, get out of here. Can't you see? I don't want you anymore. <laughs> but it's like tearing them up inside to say it. Oh, you like know? when you shoot an old yeller? Kind of. Yeah. But not to but say not it. To say <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's kind of what's happening. And she says, may the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. Essentially, she's saying, you've de- you've honored your husband's memory. You've honored your father-in-law's memory. Now go back home and may the Lord deal kindly. That word, deal kindly, is an important word in the book of Ruth. It's the word hesed. Mm. Which in, we don't have a good English translation for, no. but it's covenant faithfulness. Covenant is my faithfulness. favorite translation. I like the term loyalty or like long-standing yep. Yep. loyalty or like long-suffering loyalty mm, or yes. steadfast love. Steadfast I think steadfast love is good. Uh, in the Psalms, it translates yep. steadfast lot, love. Yeah. I think the ESV does steadfast love a lot. Yeah, yeah. like I like loyalty because it kind of like love kind of feels fuzzy sometimes. Yes, loyalty is like. Um, I have really concrete images yeah. in my mind. And what kindness it, is like, seems too weak. Kindness is a weird word yeah. that is in my, my translation of yeah. this Bible, of this Bible, of this verse. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she says, may the Lord have hesed on you. May mm. the Lord be loyal to you, a Moabite, yeah. as you go back home. She says, all your honor that you should be showing to me and and your family is, is satisfied. Mm-hmm. Go back home to, to Moab and may God's covenant faithfulness extend to you? Yeah. What? That is weird because that she should that shouldn't be a thing. No. I mean, there are hints there throughout are. Genesis yeah. that the covenant of God would go to all nations. Mm-hmm. Like that's what he promises Abraham. It, through you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Right. Which maybe that's what we should read into. Yeah, so yeah. Naomi acting like Abraham. a daughter of Abraham yeah. as one of the founding mothers of Israel is blessing a oh yes she's blessing she's fulfilling genesis 12 3 that she would be that that abraham would be a blessing to all nations she is speaking a blessing of yahweh's covenant faithfulness to yes a gentile to one of the nations okay yeah which is then what happens it's exactly what happens (laughs) in the story but not because she goes because but because Mm -hmm. ruth decides to stay yeah orpa uh naomi's or Naomi's other daughter-in-law uh-huh. um, goes back home, but Ruth decides to sit, stay. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this in our introductory podcast, but she essentially repeats the covenant yes. that God makes with Israel and Mount Sinai. And she says, your people shall be my people, your God shall be my God. And when I, when you, where you die, I will die. And right. that's where I'll be buried. Yep. She, she kind of rescinds her Moabite identity yes. and assumes the identity of a Yahweh fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is also an example of Hesed love. Yes. Loyalty to the Lord over loyalty to her own nation and to her previous gods that she would have been more prone to worship, like right. natively worshiped in Moab. She's rejecting those in favor of worshiping and remaining loyal to Yahweh. Yeah, I mean, it's beautiful. Um, okay, let's circle around now with the things. We've kind of looked at three things. We've looked at the sin that frames the book. We've mm-hmm. looked at the idea of the emptiness of Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we've looked at the faith of Ruth. Okay. And let's just like talk about um, how to enjoy Jesus in these passages. Because like I am like amazed at the grace and chesed, the covenant faithfulness that God shows to this family of Elimelech. Yeah, like, and before any covenant faithfulness, it's like we don't have a marriage yet, we don't have food yet in the right. narrative, we don't have any of, we don't have like the marriage and the son that we have at the end of chapter four. Right. But already in chapter one, we you're right, we do see God being faithful to barren, childless, widowed Naomi, and He does that by stirring up faith in Ruth. Yes. Like by providing someone for Naomi who will be her intercessor yeah. in the future. Like God turns the heart of Ruth toward himself in order to do something kind to Naomi. Yeah. Like I just think that's amazing. And we'll see it bear out. I think what what the reason why I want to talk about it now is I feel like when we get deeper into the book, yeah. we'll be able to talk about God's love and Hesed and well, everything. Let's finish out then the chapter because we only have five more chapters. Yeah, but what what I'm saying is like I just want to do it 
with the background okay, okay. of the extreme sin mm. of Elimelech. Okay. Because like, it's like, it's that classic thing that light is always brighter whenever it's shown in darkness. Yeah. And it's like, there's this big black spot on the narrative of Ruth, yeah. which is the sin of Elimelech. Yeah. And yet God is going to show amazing covenant faithfulness. And I think like, like it's easy for us to just dismiss Naomi or Ruth's loyalty here. Oh, yes. It's like, well, God is... God is king is dead. Elimelech is dead. Mm-hmm. This is a sinful family, and all they have is a Moabite. Yeah. Like, all they have is a faithful Moabite. Like, that's not a lot to go on. There's, right. Is that really enough hope for the situation? Was God really providing enough covenant faithfulness? Right. And I mean, even uh, Naomi says it. Don't call me Naomi anymore. Call mm-hmm. me bitter. Yeah. Because I went away full, but now I've come back empty. Mm. And she's not even recognizing the provision God has given her in Ruth. She right. dismisses Ruth mm-hmm. as a possible means for her redemption. Right. Like she just sees her as like, well, okay, fine. You can yeah. come with me. And she, yeah. <laughs> and she even says like, uh, well, what hope can you have? What hope can you give me? Uh, even if I had a husband today and got pregnant today right. and gave birth nine months from now, uh, are you going to wait another 18 years until they're of age and get married? Yeah. Like she said, no, of th- there's not. no hope. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, she says, it's exceedingly bitter for me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Yeah. She's like, she all, all she can see in her circumstances is the Lord being against her. Yes. And probably for... Good reason. For good reason. Yeah. Her husband left Moab. But according to the covenant, God she is, had no he, reason yeah. to believe that God would be for her. Right. God is keeping the covenant by having his hand against her. Yes. Because he said, like, if mm. you disobey, I will curse you. So God is showing covenant faithfulness to Naomi by hmm. keeping his covenant to curse her yet he he will like it's like it's like his name Yahweh that he proclaims to Moses on the mountain yeah, I that, will be with you that, that like yes he by no means pardons the guilty but he will forgive iniquity and it's like hmm. wait how can you be both it's because God can uphold both sides of the covenant at the same time. Interesting. Like it's amazing how so he, he how he so can do that's that. That's what he's doing. That's what he's in doing. Story. His hand is against Naomi, but it's with her through Ruth. Fascinating. Yeah. Okay. Which is like a gorgeous way to see Jesus as like like he came into our sin. We were covenant breakers like Elimelech. Mm-hmm. We're all covenant breakers. Uh, like Elimelech, that has brought the uh, punishment. The hand of God has come against us and we are dead, right? Yeah. Like Elimelech was both physically dead and a covenant breaker because he leaves the people of yes. God. We break the people of God, and we are spiritually dead. Yes, like that, that's Paul, the way. That's the way Paul describes people who are covenant breakers. Yes, spiritually dead. Yeah, we're spiritually. We're dead. like Elimelech. Yes, and and yet it is to us who have gone away from God, broken His covenant, are dead. That God comes and provides covenant love and faithfulness to us by giving us someone meek and meager that we would not expect to bring about the redemption that we long for and need. A Jewish carpenter. A Jewish carpenter through Jesus. Yeah, like Moabite Ruth is not an impressive figure. A Nazarene carpenter is not an impressive figure on their own. Like, I mean, what good can come from Nazareth? Like you're supposed to see like ignominy. He was born in a stable. His mother... Was he? Did his mother have an affair? Did he not? Did he not yeah. have an affair? Sketchy. What good can come from Nazareth? Like, there is a humility in the birth of Jesus and a humility in Ruth. We're like, mm-hmm. no good can come from people yep. like this. And yet, God loves to show grace to That's the humble. That's where His presence will reside, <laughs> because His strength is made perfect in weakness. Hmm. And so, like, this is a great example of God using a marginalized, weak person to do one of the greatest things He's ever done in history which is to provide for the lineage of his people that led to David, that led to Jesus, that led to our salvation, yeah. that led to the kingdom of God returning. Even when, like, what's crazy is it's even when we're rightfully being judged for it. I mean, Naomi says it. Why call me Naomi? Mm-hmm. What does Naomi mean? I, I'll look it up while you I think it means talking. like, I am, doesn't it mean I'm blessed? Does I'll it mean it like... I don't remember. I meant to look this up before we... Uh, because she compares like bitter and, bitter and, and yeah. Naomi. And I, it doesn't mean... F- Full? I don't know. I can't remember. We will find out. We will find out while Seth keeps waxing eloquently. I will wax elegantly. Elegantly? Um, Eloquently. Eloquently. She says, why call me Naomi Mm -hmm. when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? Mm. She sees the situation as her life as 
the right judgment for her disobedience. The Lord has testified. He has seen the evidence and he's testifying. He's giving a verdict of covenant breaker to Naomi. To be lovely, to be pleasant, to be delightful. So it's like, Naomi, that's don't call Naomi me lovely. Means. Don't call me lovely don't. or pleasant or delightful, beautiful. Call me bitter. Call me bitter. Because Mara. I've done wrong yeah. and I'm under the Lord's curse. Mm. And it's to that person that God also provides rescue. Yeah. Humble, unrecognized, <laughs> dismissed rescue. Yeah. And that's Jesus. Yeah. I just think it's so good. I feel like that's probably a really good news for a number of people listening where it's just like God's hands against me. Um, mm-hmm. I've only messed up in my whole life and man, I've be- I've be- I've borne the punishment for it. My yeah. my my job fell apart, my marriage fell apart, my family fell apart. I have had trouble conceiving. I have financial problems, I have yeah. health issues, whatever it is. It always feels like at every turn, God's hand is against me. Mm-hmm. And the good news of the book of Ruth is that even when it looks like God's hand is against you, even when it looks like the whole world is against you, God wants to and is working for yeah. you to bring you back to himself yeah. through Jesus. And it's like all he asks you to do is what Ruth did, yeah, which is just name him is your God in faith. Yeah. Like, there's it's it's there's a temptation when we're suffering, there's a temptation where we're lamenting to only focus on the bad things, mm. to only name and count the bad things. Yeah. I have no son, I have no husband, all I've got is a daughter in law. Like and to discount the humble things that the Lord has given you. Mm. Oh, like I mean, like, you know, any ever lots of people have suffered. It's like I well, I'm still married. My kids still love me. The Lord has not made my mortgage go away. I still have a house. Like mm-hmm. there's, God has provided for us. And a lot of, so here it's like, he's provided salvation. That's like the big thing that the Lord provides. The, the thing, the yes. only thing that he needs to provide. But it should also make us recognize the Lord has provided far more than salvation. Mm. And we can we should be recognizing that God is good to us. He still has, he, I mean, Naomi still has land. Yep. She still has a hometown to go back to. There's still a redeemer out there who can yeah. redeem her family, but she's not counting these things as significant. She's only counting the curse. So I think for like those of us who are suffering, we should be looking not only to the humble ways in which the Lord provides for us. Mm. We should not discount the humble things the Lord has given us, yeah. whether that's Jesus, the mm. Nazarene carpenter, or the fact that we still have a home. And then yeah. we still have groceries and then right. we still have a place to go and then we still have family that can provide for us. It should bring us to be thankful, mm. not bitter. Right. Because after all, to segue into Bethlehem, there's an irony here that uh, Naomi's returning to Bethlehem, yeah, which is the house of bread. And she's saying, I'm going to a house of bread empty and there's nothing but emptiness waiting for me there. Yeah. And it's like so wrong to be like, I'm really hungry and I'm going to a house full of bread, but I'll remain empty when I'm there. It's like, yeah. no, you won't. You're going to a place of provision. Like in the times of our biggest famine, in the times of your life's biggest famine, hunger and need, there is you are going to the house of bread. Mm-hmm. And like we're going to find out very soon that, Na- that that Ruth is going there and she's going to start reaping barley yeah. to make bread. And like in a very real way, her needs are going to be met. But ultimately... The house of bread, Bethlehem, is the place where uh, the Messiah was promised to be born. Yeah, uh, and like that's where Jesus is born. Jesus is born in the yeah. house of bread. <laughs> he's, he's where Jesus is born. This is where yeah. Jesus was born. Yeah. Is in Bethlehem, the house of bread. He is the bread of life that provides during our world's famines. Mm-hmm. Like he comes and brings the most provision, the most life, the most kindness to yeah. us um, whenever we're the hungriest, neediest, loneliness, e- even whenever we feel like God's hand is against us, yeah. there is um, a son who has been born in the house of bread, who is the bread of life itself. Can I get personal for a second? Sure. So as you know, we just, so I we used to live in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. And then we moved to Kansas City. Right. We were there in Kansas City for a year. Mm-hmm. And then we just moved back to Oklahoma City. And so that's a lot of transition. Yeah. And for my wife, I actually prayed Ruth chapter one over my wife mm-hmm. a couple different times 
because in some ways Naomi is receiving the curse for her sin. In a lot of ways, she's the victim of circumstance. Yeah, it was Elimelech who's the one who moved out to Moab. She's probably not personally responsible for the famine. <laughs> like, right. you know, she didn't control the fact that her sons died. Right. Uh, it's not her fault that her daughters are barren or um, infertile. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yep, right. she's the victim of circumstance. Yeah, in a big so, way. And, um, and because her husband was the one schlepping her around between <laughs> between countries, like, she is in the position that she's in. So my wife like really identified with the character of Naomi. Okay. Did so, you identify with the character <laughs> of a little like? <laughs> I was like, I'm like moving back and forth. What is this the will of God? Is this not, I don't know. Uh, am I being obedient or being selfish? Like, and for her, I, I hope as I prayed it for her, it was like, man, the Lord in our movings mm-hmm. and in the ways that we can't control our emotional state and the way that we feel bitter and we feel empty, the Lord does provide fullness uh, in places that we feel empty. Yeah. It's a really basic promise. The Lord provides fill, fullness when we feel empty. And in, in the very places we think are empty. In the places that we think that yeah. are empty, the Lord historically always yep. provides fullness. Naomi was returning to the place of famine, right? Mm-hmm. Bethlehem was where she experienced famine. Yeah. She's going back to um, a piece of land that will not be hers for much longer because there's a debt against it and the lineage of her yeah. uh, family won't live on. All that's there for her is disappointment yeah. and loss, she thinks. Mm-hmm. And yet it's in that very place that God provided plenty for her. It's like when we go to the empty tomb, we are filled with the life of Jesus. So one thing we didn't say about the chapter one, uh, which yeah. is really interesting, is, is in, I think, what, verse six? Verse six. It's one of the two times the Lord is actually mentioned. Uh, the Lord, uh, as in, like, the narrator tells us the Lord does something. Oh, uh, so, people invoke his name. Right. But this is one of the only times where it said, and then Yahweh did this. Yes. Okay. So, and it's to give food where there was no food. Uh-huh. Uh, verse six, uh, for uh, Naomi had heard... While she was in the fields of Moab, the Lord had visited his people and given them food. <laughs> it's so <laughs> ironic. She she leaves the house of bread to go find bread elsewhere. And then while she's gone, God brings bread back to Bethlehem. Yes. Like, and, and she hears about it while she's in the fields of Moab. Yes. Trying to get bread. <laughs> It's just like, it's, uh, I'm reminded of like, you know, when you're like in a traffic jam on the highway yeah, yeah. and you see the other line it's going, going so by, fast over so there. you hop in and it slows down and then the line you were in goes fast and it's the worst situation. that's what's happening that's here. Exactly. So God's filling up the bread basket of Bethlehem again. And that's important for chapter two because yes. Ruth's about to go glean in a field yes. and she's about to get a whole bunch of food. Okay. So they go back, Ruth and Naomi go back to um, Israel Bethlehem. and Bethlehem. At the beginning of the barley harvest. At the beginning of the barley harvest. Yep. Right. And um, so it's it's Ruth that brings up the idea that she should go gleaning, right? Yeah. So apparently, so Ruth, verse two, and Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. So mm-hmm. one thing, Ruth apparently knew the Jewish law well enough mm-hmm. to know that there was provision in the Jewish law for foreigners and poor people to go to gl- and glean at people's fields. And what does gleaning mean? Gleaning means, uh, so farmers were not supposed to harvest the edges of their field and so that poor people or foreigners could come by and gather what was left over on the edges of the field. Right. And they can make some bread for themselves. Yep. It was a way to provide for the poor. Yep. Was, and isn't it also like, as you're like picking up heads of wheat or whatever and putting it in a basket, mm-hmm. if one falls to the ground, yeah, so, don't pick it up. Yes, so you were supposed to, so as they're like harvesting the field, mm-hmm. we have like these huge combine harvesters yeah. that get everything. But like, imagine, but even those will leave something. A, will leave a whole bunch of stuff behind. Yep. So anybody who needed to could come behind the harvesters yep. and like gather what was that, whatever was on the ground. Yeah, it would be like uh, you know, like the keep the change thing that's on oh, like yeah, your yeah, automatic yeah. bank account. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like every time you buy a cup of coffee for 275, 25 cents, it just rounds up to $3 and goes into your savings account. It'd be like that 25 cents just goes into a jar that that's someone right. that a poor person just come and grab. Yes, yeah. that's exactly right. And Ruth, the interesting business idea by the way. Knows about this. Be a good the, nonprofit idea. Anyway, uh, that would be great. It's cuz there's a whole bunch of savings. Yeah, they just do it like but that. for charity. Yeah. Anyway, all right, moving on. Moving on. So Ruth, it's important she's being faithful. 
Yeah. She's read the law. She knows the law. And then she's initiating mm. on her own provision for Naomi. Yes. She's acting as Naomi's redeemer. She's filling up Naomi's emptiness mm. by her own initiative. She's being a wise and worthy woman like the Proverbs 31 Okay, woman. so you're, you're, you're bringing out two things there, right? You're saying, one, she's obeying the law. She's read the law and she, she's obeyed it. Right, <laughs> yeah. so she knows the law and is obeying it by um, taking her the provision that's been given her in the law. But then, two, you're saying that she is being a provider mm-hmm. for Naomi. Yes. Because Naomi's not the one going out there and gleaning. I mean, she's probably old. She's old. Yeah. So it's like she probably can't. Or, right. yeah. But Ruth is like performing some of the provision duties that would have fallen maybe to a husband or something yes. like that. That's exactly that right. She is being that for Naomi. Yes. Okay, cool. Yep. And she happens upon the field that belongs to Boaz. Happens upon. Happens upon coincidentally. Yes. Uh, and he was of the clan of Elimelech. So that's the second time we've heard Elimelech's name. So mm-hmm. it's a relative of Elimelech, meaning potentially redeemer yep. quality. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. Yeah. Fun. Which we Fact. looked this up right yeah. before going live here. What we were like, I wonder what the Hebrew says there. And yeah. the funny thing is, it just says the Lord. It just, just says, says Yahweh. Yahweh. Which we're like, oh, that's funny. It must be just like an old Hebrew uh-huh. greeting to just walk up to somebody and say Yahweh. Yahweh. Which it would have been in a different tense. But, but it's like, yeah. it means I am. I am yeah. with you. Yeah. May he be with you. Yeah. And so I think it's important. Like the So Boaz. The first it, words on his lips. The redeemer of the story. The first words on his lips are the name of the Lord that redeems. Yeah. I am. Yeah. And ironically, Naomi says the Lord has left her. Oh. The first words that... Like, is the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> uh, in the very, which is the point we just made. In the very times when you think God has left you, he is with you. When you think that he is not, I am. Yeah. That's good. That's really good. That's cool. And then Boaz notices Naomi uh, Ruth sorry oh, I'm so keep sorry going, keep going. which is just is like is like it just reminds me of the resurrection because it's like yes. they thought Jesus was dead they thought all their hopes were dashed and it was through his death I'm with you and he, he comes back I'm with, with you, you always always even, even to the end of yeah. in the age it's just like in the very place of death he brings life. He's with us in the very place we thought he had abandoned us. Anyway, it's okay. good. It's so good. And so Boaz notices uh, Ruth yep. gleaning the field, and he asks, "Who's who? Who's this woman?" And the servants say she's a young Moabite woman who actually asked them to gather among the sheaves rather than following behind them. Right. So what Ruth is asking for is special favor or special privilege. She just doesn't want to go to the edges of the field. She doesn't want to just come by behind the harvesters and pick, and pick up the scraps. She actually wants to go among the sheaves. So what they would do is they'd gather a whole bunch of barley and put it in a big stack mm. and they'd place it like as they're going. And so, you know, when you put down a big stack of loose leaves, there's a lot more leaves around uh-huh. the stack of leaves. Right. So she's saying, well, can I go just pick up what you actually haven't stacked? Knowing there's more there because, you know, so it's beyond the law. She's asking for special favor. I wonder if uh, this, I like, I wonder reading this, you know, when it was written, I wonder if this is like her stumbling into a cultural faux pas. Oh, it could be. Where yeah, she's just yeah. like, I've never gleaned before. <laughs> do, do I do she's it like, like this? Am I doing it wrong, guys? Or is, is she wrong? like faithfully? I think the, the oh, yeah. grain of the book would be yeah. to read it like yeah. she's faithfully stepping out because she said, let me go and glean among he who I might find favor. And she's like, is there favor here for me? Right. Let me step out beyond the bounds of the law in faith. Yes. And then she finds it. I think you're supposed but, to see her as being bold. But yeah, it's but funny it to funny. think of her to me. Like, so, so is it, do I do it here? Do I do it? No. <laughs> you're supposed to do that over there. And what's funny is the servant obviously didn't give her permission because the servant shouldn't. Because oh, right. Boaz is it's not his own, field to It's do not it. his field. So once Boaz asks, the servant communicates the request to Boaz. And then Boaz says, listen, my daughter, hmm. glean among the sheaves. Uh, but also, but not even not even glean among the sheep, gather among my young women. Yes. So what I guess that means is that she is being counted as one of his workers. Workers. She's Yeah, except she, what she gathers, she's not taking into Boaz's house. Right. He says, just go harvest. Go harvest and be among other women so you'll be protected. Yeah. And you'll be safe there. You can gather as much as you want. You can drink water from my well over there. Yep. And then they even sit down and have a picnic at one point yeah. and brings her actually already made bread and wine. Yep. And they just have a picnic 
And then not only that, not only does she have the all this grain she's harvested, he she then uses Boaz's threshing floor and prepares the grain mm. and brings flour yeah. back to yes. back to her home. Yes. So it's like you all, could imagine like Naomi expecting her to come back with a few handfuls of raw grain right. and says she comes home with a sack full of flour. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and then the, no wonder when she comes back, Naomi's like, where did you reap where, today? What is <laughs> like, going on? What uh, Naomi falls on her face when Boaz does all this for her. Oh, says, or Ruth. Oh, Ruth, sorry. Yeah. And, and she says, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? Mm. So one... That's the question she should be asking about God. Why is God showing favor to a foreigner? Why is a redeemer, why would the redeemer find favor among a foreigner? Why would Mm. she treat a foreigner this way? Uh, Why would you take notice of me? And then Boaz says, all that you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband was fully told to me, how you left your father, left your mother, left your native land, and came to people that you did not know. And he says, because of your faithfulness, the Lord, may the Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given to you by the Lord under whose wings you've come to take refuge. There's so much here. Okay. First thing I realized just now that I've never realized before is he is repeating Genesis 12. What? Yes. He's repeating Genesis 12. God says to Abraham, go from this land, from your father, from your household to a land you do not know that I will show you. (laughs) And there you will be a blessing to all nations. Like he's repeating Genesis 12 to her. He's like, you have done what our forefather Abraham did. This is a matriarchal (laughs) narrative that she is the founding mother of Israel. Yes. I'm so blown away by that. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Oh my goodness. Oh, that's crazy. Okay. And, and well, I don't know. How to go. <laughs> uh, but okay, so that's just amazing. So he's like, you, you have shown the faith. You've shown covenant faithfulness. You've shown, you've shown, shown the, co- the covenant faithfulness that our father Abraham showed to God, and I recognize that. Mm-hmm. And and then he names what was the content of her faith, and I think this is so important. First, he says, "Yeah, this is what you've done. You have taken refuge under the shelter of Yahweh's wings." Mm-hmm. That is what you've done by coming into Israel, by coming into the house of bread, by leaving behind Moab and its gods and its provision and coming home into a place you did not know. What you've done is you have put your faith in Yahweh, your trust, mm-hmm. your allegiance yeah. in Yahweh. And that's why I'm giving you this blessing yeah. is because of your faith, Yeah, which is like, that's the gospel. Like, it's like yes. What does God require of us? Like. To put our trust, our allegiance, our faith in this family that we don't actually belong to. And and when we do that, he gives us more than what even the law promised. Like Yeah. He <laughs> he, he lavishes his grace and kindness on us. Yes. Yeah. A few Which I just love that idea of like whatever you think the blessings of being a Christian are, right? Like okay. lay it out. And lay out the biggest version you want. You know, like Okay. Like it's 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 freedom from sin and it's escape from condemnation and it's life with God and it's new um, heaven, a and, new a heaven new and a new earth and it's sanctification and it's a fa- the family of God here on earth and you know the church and all these things the presence of the Holy Spirit the gifts of the Holy Spirit like make as long of a, of a list as you want when we finally see Jesus face to face. Those will be like th- those blessings, which are so good, will be like gleaning on the edges of a field when God wants to invite us into His home for a picnic. Like mm. it will be so much better. Like yeah, God will be yeah, Boaz yeah. to our Ruth. You know, like, right? I just love that idea that like my like when I read the Bible, just like Ruth did when she read the law. I'm like, okay, so if I go and like if I'm going to go and glean, I'm going to get this blessing, and God's like, yes, you will. But that's the outskirts of my home, and I'm bringing yeah. you in here. Here's a well. Here, uh, like harvest here. Come here's into my wine. threshing floor. Here's yeah. some wine. Sit down and have a picnic with me. Uh, let me tell you that you're blessed. Like, yeah. oh, it's beautiful. Uh, I'm gonna have to just drop it. Ephesians one. Do it. Is basically in Jesus. <laughs> yes. We have redemption through His blood. Yeah. Like Boaz provides redemption for. Uh, Esther or Ruth, Ruth and Naomi, yeah. Naomi, the forgiveness of our trespasses, mm-hmm. like 
Naomi is forgiven for leaving um, the promised land, the promised land, yeah. but coming back according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us. This is what Boaz says through his riches. He lavishes generosity on Ruth mm-hmm. uh, in all wisdom and insight. We're told that Ruth is acting according to the law and is a worthy woman. Like Proverbs 31 tells us she's mm-hmm. the wise and worthy woman. He's laughing and, Boaz is being wise as well and obeying the law and lavishing all this honor in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of God's will according to his purpose, which he has set forth in Christ, which is why Ruth is the great grandmother of David, who is the great grandson or great grandfather of Jesus. The mystery of Jesus's will is being found in the book of of Ruth so that the fullness of time to unite all things in heaven and on earth in Christ. Yes. It's so good. So good. Yeah. So uh, do, do me a favor real quick okay. and just read that verse It just straight through then. In, like, yes. and, what, and what's the reference? Ephesians, Ephesians 1, 1, 7, 7 through 10. Okay. Read it. In Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Yeah, that is a gospel synopsis of the book of Ruth. Yes. Yeah, I love that. We'll probably quote that again in the <laughs> next <got> episode. <laughs> it's so good. Um, okay, super cool. Uh, and I just also, like, uh, let's talk about what it means to take shelter under the shadow of Yahweh's wings. Like, mm. that, um, and, and like, I don't know. I just, I think it's such a beautiful picture it'll be, of it'll, faith. It'll be brought up again. It in will the book, be. In the next but this chapter. is the first time it's brought up. Mm-hmm. And and it's, it, it's this image that is used throughout the Old Testament of God as having these big protective wings like a mother hen, you know, who whenever there's a storm or whenever her, her chicks need warmth, mm-hmm. like she just... Throw the Psalms. Yeah, she just wraps her chicks up under her wings and they're safe there. Like, it's kind of like, you have to go through me or, you know, you're going to have to go through mama hen to get to baby chick. And um, I just think that's such a beautiful picture of faith. You know, like, what does it mean to have faith in God, you know? It means like to be protected by to him. be protected by him to come under him for shelter and protection and to like trust that by being in his home and his land and his place yeah you'll find all that you need yes by trusting in the things that he says to trust in yes will actually be enough for us which is exactly the opposite of what Elimelech did at the beginning of this book mm-hmm. he left the house of bread to go find bread elsewhere during a famine only to find out that God had provided for Israel. Yeah like soon after and it's like ruth is unworking the sin of her inherited family mm-hmm. by showing faith in the very ways that yeah. elimelech didn't by simply trusting that yahweh would be a good provider which is what she does she goes to this field steps mm-hmm. out in faith and boldly tries to find mm-hmm. favor by gleaning yeah and god provides he meets her yeah in the house and of let's bread. not undersell though how trusting in the lord's provision is actually incredibly difficult. Yeah. Leaving your homeland. Yep. Leaving your father, leaving your mother, leaving everything you know and going to a place that's foreign to you. Mm. Why does Jesus say like he who who he who has given up mother or father or lands or homes right. like will not like will <laughs> if you're sure. not willing to give those things oh. up you're not worthy of me. Oh yeah, I'm quoting two different verses. Yeah. Yes. But he he does this multiple times. If you don't hate your mother, hate your father, then you're not worthy of me. Mm-hmm. But there's a blessing, right? He who right. has not left those things, or he who does leave those things, will be yeah. given a hundredfold here yeah. in this present day. Having faith like Ruth is actually really hard. Yes. Trusting God to save you mm-hmm. is actually really costly. Right. Um, and sometimes I think we, we, maybe me personally, can lose that. It's like, just have faith. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's also terrifying. Right. Like, I, that would mean me giving up everything that I'm used to, yeah. accustomed to, used to finding comfort, pleasure, safety, protection in, that, that, that's really difficult for me. Yes. I was trying to think of like, because in Moab, being a Moabite was tied up in the worship of the gods. Mm-hmm. Very much so. And being an Israelite should have been tied up in worshiping God. So yes. to leave one is actually to like burn all your idols. Yes. And to have a new one. And I was trying, like, we don't really have like, a comparison to that, like when you change citizenships, but mm. like, 
if you had to burn the American flag oh. to become a citizen of Italy, right? Like you would kind of get closer to the emotional mm-hmm. difficulty of switching allegiance yeah. to um, Yahweh, switching allegiance to Israel. Right. So like, there's that kind of like cutting off, burning of bridges when we accept faith, when we have faith in Jesus. Right. We, and I don't know, I need to wrestle with that more. No, it's good. I, but I also think that um, faith, difficult faith is made um, doable. I don't know if that's the right word mm-hmm. though. Um, when we realize um, what's, being provided it's like how much faith does it take to leave a famine to go to a house of bread you know it's like yeah yeah, it cost a lot to get there but it was a far more desirable place to be Mm -hmm. and so i think like as we rehearse and think about the the ways that god has promised to provide for us in christ he's saying yes die to yourself take up your cross leave behind family friends Mm -hmm. homes comforts but you're gaining so much more and so um, I think the perspective makes yeah. the faith worth You must count well. the cost. Yep. But also know. And I mean, there is a certain amount of faith to doing it beforehand. Mm-hmm. Counting the cost. Counting what you'll gain beforehand is really hard. Yeah, it's a better job. It's better pay. And it's all these great things. But it still means I have to move. <laughs> like, yeah. it's like, it's... Right. It's actually really hard to, like, yep. to make that decision and say, but I think it'll be better on the other mm-hmm. side. Uh, so anyway. Yeah, that's good. And, and Boaz names both. You've, you've yes. taken God as a refuge, mm-hmm. but you've done so at great cost to yourself. You've left behind so much. So I think it's good to name both. Okay, the next thing we have to highlight. Okay, so uh, uh, Ruth comes home with a sack full of flour, <laughs> a huge sack full of flour. One Some of the, leftover one picnic. Of the, one of the Sam's bags yeah. full of flour that you like, need a forklift to <laughs> yeah. carry. Yeah. And, I think it was um, like for one day of work, she got some like two to four weeks worth of insane. grain. Insane. Yeah, like That's crazy. Um and so she's reporting to Naomi what happened. It's Boaz. And she's like, oh my gosh, he's one of our redeemers. God is, I think, doing something here. And Naomi makes the second blessing mm-hmm. of the story so far. The first was to her uh, daughters-in-law mm-hmm. when she blessed them to go back to Moab. And now she's blessing Boaz. And she says in Ruth 2.20, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Ruth, may he, Boaz, be blessed by Yahweh whose kindness, which is hesed, mm-hmm. may he be blessed by Yahweh, whose hesed has not forsaken the living or the dead. So hesed, loyalty, steadfast love, enduring faithfulness. Yes. God's faithfulness, mm-hmm. God's loyalty has not left the living or the dead. Right. So is she referring to Elimelech then? She's referring to Elimelech. So because the whole tension of this book that it's easy to get lost in, especially if we think about it like a romantic comedy, Mm -hmm. the tension of this book, if you're reading this as an Israelite, is what is going to happen to Naomi's estate, to her land. Right. Because like if you've, and especially if you've just read Joshua and Judges and then Ruth, you're like the land allotments have been portioned off exactly. And there's all these laws to protect the specific designation of each plot of land for each family. And it's supposed to be kept inside that family because it is the inheritance of Israel. It's a gift from God. If Elimelech dies, if God is not faithful to Elimelech, Naomi's land dissolves. Yes. God's promises goes away or are failing. Yes. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And so it's a big deal. God's covenant faithfulness is on the line. Yeah. It seems. And she says that it looks like God is not going to forsake his covenant because of Boaz. And he's being faithful both to you and I, Ruth, who are still alive in the aftermath of all this sin, but he's also being faithful to the dead, to my dead in his transgressions and dead in his flesh, Elimelech. He's being faithful to his namesake Hmm. by providing this redeemer for us. And I'm just like, that is such good news yeah. Like for us, like who are dead. While we were dead in, dead our, tres- in our trespasses, Christ, died, Christ for died for us. And it's just like such good news. And I think it's also such good news for... Um, and I mean, like, I think just make that parallel even mm-hmm. more. Like while Elimelech's husband was dead, Boaz at great cost to himself, great sacrifice to himself, right. great sacrifice to his harvest, and eventually to his his wealth and his, his, his inheritance mm-hmm. when he buys Naomi's land redeems the dead right and (laughs) jesus at great cost to himself great cost to his inheritance Mm -hmm. redeems the the dead 
He right. redeems us. Yes. Yeah. And, and, um, and, and I just think it's, it's also like such interesting news to think about the dead all the way up to the time of Jesus. Oh. That Jesus being the son, the great, 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 great grandson of Ruth and Boaz, whom, right, whom right. Naomi is blessing here. Yeah. He is the ultimate one who has been faithful to the dead. Right. Because it's not just people who are spiritually dead that Jesus is redeeming. There are faithful men and women that died before Jesus was ever here. Yes. Faithful Israelites. Yes. Who never knew Jesus' name. And faithful Gentiles. Faithful who Gentiles. Proselytized. Like, like, like Ruth. Ruth. Like yes. Rahab. Like, yes. yeah. Like the Gibeonites. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, and they didn't know Jesus' name. Nope. But Jesus is faithful to those dead saints. Yes, that's right. And so he, when Jesus died on the cross, his blood went both ways. It went to the future and it went to the past. And he redeemed and was faithful to the living and the dead. Mm-hmm. Like he redeemed those who, w- who were alive and would live later, mm-hmm. the not yet alive and the formerly alive. <laughs> yeah. And think about faithfulness to the dead as just another way of saying eternal life. Yes. Those that die, God is still faithful towards yes. by providing them eternal life. <laughs> yes. They will yet live because he's faithful to the dead. He will not, you will not let your holy one see decay, right? Yep. Psalms, which, which Peter quotes in his famous sermon on the day of Pentecost, that God is faithful to the dead. And he's talking about King David there. Like those were, those were King David's words talking about the Messiah who is the son, you know, the, the grandson of Ruth and Boaz. It's, and it's like, he's faithful to the, like, like David knew that God would be faithful to him even in death. Hmm. And it's like, that is such good news for us, for those who uh, fear death, who are faced with death um, personally, who are seeing the death of family members or yeah. loved ones, that God is faithful to the living, yes, but also to the dead. Which is funny, as the as the grandmother of David, you know, having her say, or, or I guess as the grandmother-in-law of David or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that, Naomi, to say that. Um, phrase when her great grandson would go on to write, um, you know, there's no worship of you in in the grave, like oh, you know, and yeah, like yeah, David yeah. has this very grim view of Sheol, very right. real view of Sheol. Right. It's like uh, where it's yeah. like when when I end when when I go down to Sheol, what happens? I don't know, but it seems like everything just goes dark. Yeah. And Naomi's like, God is going to be faithful to the dead, hmm. which I think is really good that news is, for us. Yeah. Uh, and ultimately, God was faithful to the dead yeah. whenever he rose Christ from the grave. Yeah. I mean, I still meet people, too, who just like, I don't I'm, I don't think you want me in my church. I don't think, I think I've done too much good, bad mm. for the Lord to do anything. Like, I don't think God wants me. Oh, right. Like, I'm so spiritually dead. Like, I, I've done enough bad stuff yeah. that you, like, you really, God would never. You should write me off. It's like, um, it's like the, it's like when a, when a mean father says to his son, who's finally done too many bad things, you're dead to me. Yeah. That's what God must think of me. And you should too, fellow church member. Yeah. I've done too much. I'm, I should just be dead to you. Yeah. And though, even if they never say it to somebody else, they probably say it to themselves, to themselves or to God and implicitly to God. Like yeah. I, I can't do the religious thing mm-hmm. because I'm just not the type of person who could be yeah. loved by someone who's as great. Supposedly yeah. And as yet God. God comes to the spiritually dead who think they're dead to God, dead to the world, dead to themselves. And while they were still in that condition, not after they cleaned themselves up or came after it or self-actualized or realized that they were worth saving mm-hmm. while they were still dead in their sins, Christ died for them. He was, he's faithful to the dead by being faithful unto death. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. he dies for your death that you think you deserve. Yes. And so you don't have to taste it because Jesus tasted it for you at great personal cost to himself. So I just love that line. Uh, and also God's loving kindness, his loyalty is shown that he does not forsake the living or the dead. Yes. And it is an, it is an extension of his covenant faithfulness, Yeah, which is like, kind of a beautiful picture of like the Holy Spirit given to us as a guarantee, like a, mm. a deposit. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. A, and, he, and the Holy Spirit is the marker of the new covenant yeah. the New Testament tells us. Yeah. And so like if you've been given the Holy Spirit, God will be faithful to you mm. unto death. Yeah. Even in death, his steadfast love will not forsake He'll be you. faithful through death. Through death. And then after death. <laughs> ne- yeah. Never will he Neither leave you. Neither death nor yep. life. 
can separate you from the love yes. of Christ Jesus. Somewhere. That's right. The covenant love of Christ Jesus. So good. I mean, that, and, and so uh, that kind of brings us to the end of Ruth 2. Yeah. And really uh, we're halfway through the book. It's a short little book. And we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>